Hey, welcome everyone to uh, Hope for Our Times live. And it's great seeing all you guys on here. I'm reading all these different comments on here. And uh, listen, I, I want to ask and encourage you to go ahead and hit the thumbs up. It helps us to uh, get some uh, better play with YouTube, as you know. And just another note too, we are also on, we're live right now. We should be live right now on the HopeForOurTimes.com website. Last Sunday night, I think we had... Uh, over 500 viewers that uh, watched it live on the website. That's cool. I believe tonight we are uh, also on Roku. Not 100% sure. Still got a few things we're trying to figure out. Uh, but if anybody's watching this on Roku, you can send us a note somehow. I don't know. You might have to go to the comments on YouTube so we can see them. Uh, but we plan to be on a lot more over the next couple of weeks. We appreciate your prayers. And uh, great. It's wonderful. So if something happens, YouTube censors this right in the middle. Just go to the website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check it out there. We'll continue. And we're also going to have a dedicated uh, line that you're going to be able to send me text messages where I'll be able to receive your questions when we do live, like we uh, were able to on New Year's Eve uh, when I had Billy Crone on. So uh, we have a lot of things going on. It's exciting. And I'm going to get away from this for just a minute. And uh, let's talk about a few things. I'm going to be in Oceanside on March 26th, Oceanside, California. That's in San Diego, for those of you who are not familiar with it. And uh, it's a Saturday. I'll be there, I think it's what, two weeks out or three three weeks out, something like that. And I'll be there. Uh, Jack Hibbs is going to be there. Uh, Mark Hitchcock, Dave, uh, Jason uh, Duff, and myself. And again, mark your calendars. I have the info now on my Instagram and Facebook I'll have uh, a lot more info on everything starting tomorrow on uh, our website, Hope for Our Times, on events. We'll have it there, uh, plus some of the other events that are coming up. So I'll keep you guys posted. I do know that you have to register for that event. I encourage you to go for it if you're going to be in the Southern California area. That's on Saturday, March 26th. It's going to be a fantastic time. And then also tomorrow, live at 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, I have a guest from Australia that's going to be joining me. For the first time, he's going to be joining me. It's going to be great. I hope that you can join us live. We're looking forward to taking your questions. And I hope the volume's okay. We've got a few things that we were, uh, ran into some glitches on with technical things today. So I hope all is good. And uh, I am ready to get going, I'm assuming. In fact, I'm going to check this right now. Uh, let me see if any of you are complaining about, oh, somebody said I look less tan. Well, we are using different cameras now, too, so I don't know if that's good or bad. And, uh, uh, but let's get going. I'm guessing that the volume is good because I don't see a bunch of complaints on here. So I am ready to roll. Our tech team is paying attention to the rest. We are in Hosea chapter 11, and we are looking at this subject with the minor prophets. Here it is, Israel. Jews and what is coming. Okay, before we look at this from Hosea chapter 11, Hosea 11 is a short chapter, but I have a lot to say, as you can you, you can guess. I'm just going to bring up a few news items, and then we're going to get going. So check out this first one from Blaze Media. American officials travel to Venezuela to reestablish trade and further isolate Russia. Thanks, Vindog, for sending me that article this afternoon. Uh, you, you look at this, all these different things that are at play right now. I'm going to read, if I remember to, Jan Markell sent me her article just a few minutes ago, just before coming on live. I'm going to read a few comments that she has to say about what's going on also. Uh, great stuff that we got going. However, we have difficult times. Now, we have this also, USA Watchdog. 
check out this one. Insane globalist, collapsing world economy, uh, says Martin Armstrong. I, uh, I'm going to tell you something about the world economy. Uh, insane globalists are collapsing the world economy. I happen to be someone I believe that is what is happening. There's an intentional collapse of the world's economy. But let's move on to this next article that you, you see right now. And this says trade is surging between China and Russia. Uh, I look at that and I think, well, what, were, what was anybody expecting? Uh, China hates us. I hate the, hates the West. Russia hates the West. Iran hates the West. North Korea hates the West. What do you think they're going to do? Do you think that China and Russia are not going to support each other in, in all of this? So as the sanctions are being laid out against uh, against Russia, well, this is this. China just steps in and says, "Hey, guess what? I'll support Russia." Then we have this. Check out this article: Ukrainian President Zelensky is tied to Klaus Schwab. Justin Trudeau and other global elites, you know, the World Economic Forum guy uh, and Justin Trudeau out of Canada. Very interesting. This article from LifeSite News is very interesting. There's so much information uh, going all on all over the place right now. It's trying to trying to figure out and wade through what is fact, what is not fact, what's real, what's fake and all of these different things. I praise God we have the Bible to help us understand. Here's this last article I'm going to show you. And then I have a few quotes that I'm going to give you. Uh, Jam Markel, Damon Duck, and some others. Look at this last article. Ukraine invasion. Has World War III already started? Some security experts believe existential global conflict has begun. All right, let's put this into context. Wrap our heads around what the world is going on. Get into Hosea chapter 11 here in just a second. I read this this morning to my church. I'm going to read it again right now, and then we're going to start working through this. But this is from Peter Hitchens out of the UK, journalist. And he was talking about what's happening in the Western world. The Western world is uh, saying, is basically cheering the Ukrainians. Go get into the battle, uh, Ukrainians. We're cheering you on. Listen, we're cheering you on. We're sitting in our comfortable chairs watching TV. We flip the channels from uh, whatever sporting event, and then you catch a little bit of news with the war in Ukraine, say, go get them, take down Putin, all this kind of stuff, Wrong. like we're watching a sporting event. And then he writes this, and he says, but while we stand and cheer at a safe distance, the Ukrainians are the ones who get shelled, bombed, besieged, and driven from their homes. Is this honorable? Does sentimental praise for their bravery make up for it? I mean, saying, wow, you guys are so brave, all the things that you are doing. And then he says this. It was a very lengthy article, so I'm just sharing the last few words. He says, I'd like to end with two quotations. The first is from the American Civil War General William Tecumseh Sherman, who said, I am sick and tired of war. Its glory is all moonshine. It is only those who have neither fired a shot nor heard the shrieks and groans of the wounded who cry aloud for blood for vengeance, for desolation. War is hell. I agree. I look and I, and I, and I look at war and I think, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Um, because I also know what the book of Revelation tells us. And, and when the seals are loosed and God is no longer restraining men from doing his evil things, listen, the only reason why there's a limit to the wars right now is because God restrains but uh, as he works through his people, by the way, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But when the restrainer's gone, all hell is going to break loose. It's going to be horrible, and, and war itself is horrible. And then he says this, the other is from the Benedictus 
in the Church of England, 1662, Book of Common Prayer, which asked God to, here it is, the quote, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace, which I fervently pray, for I am not sure that anything else will now do any good. <laughs> Listen, we need the Lord. Absolutely right. We need the Lord. We need to be surrendered to him. One of our viewers, Martin, uh, sent this email this afternoon. One Ukrainian pastor whom I stayed with a few months ago is pinned down, at least by his sense of duty, if not also by the armies, in his hometown in what he called today uh, a very stressful situation. Another Ukrainian, a Bible translator who works very closely with me, fled with his family just in time and has lost all his possessions, including possibly the last few months of his work. The verse with which I could best console and strengthen them is from Psalm 56, verse 8, where the psalmist wrote, Thou tellest my wanderings. Tell me everywhere I'm going to go. You, you, you know everything, God. You, you order my steps. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not all in thy book? That's King James. Put your tears in my tears in your bottle, Lord. There's a picture of God in heaven that the Bible gives us that he saves up all of our tears and there's a big bottle. When we get to heaven, we're going to see the Lord. He says, man, I saved up every tear. His love for us is tremendous. His mercy toward us is great. Think of all the sadness that there is in the world right now. It's just so devastating. And things are so horrific. And so, just so horrible. Jim Markell wrote, sent me this earlier today. Some of you have probably already seen this in her newsletter. Um, but she said, hey, Tom, because I, I, I like to post her things. Uh, it was accidentally uh, dated March 1, 2021. Uh, she meant to date it 2022, obviously. But she writes this, Gog is stirring and evil is rising. Who's Gog? Uh, Gog is the uh, leader of Magog, uh, be the leader of Russia, for example. Gog is stirring and evil is rising. The bear has always been wicked, but now it is as though Mr. Putin is possessed He's showing aggression not seen in decades. Observers say he has transformed recently into ultimate evil. And with images playing out in front of us, it seems that way. Nuclear forces are now alerted in Russia. Talk about perilous times. Israel is on alert because we know Vladimir Putin will not stop with Ukraine. Much more territory is in his sights, and, uh, and he longs for the spoil stored up in Israel. Society became fear-based two years ago with the pandemic, which opened the door for government overreach. More and more, the world longs for a leader, a Mr. Fix-It. That would be Antichrist. Right now, such a person is not prominent. He may be obscure at this time, but he's waiting in the wings. uh, Then she goes on and says many more things. Excellent article. I encourage you to read it. I'll post it on my website tomorrow. But But I look at that, and then she goes on to say something that I totally agree with. She That it's hard to make sense of everything that's happening, but she does say one thing is for certain. The events right now that are taking place, playing out on the theater of in, in Ukraine, are changing the dynamics of the world, and Bible prophecy is about to be fulfilled. And I look at it, and I think, you know, we need to pray for the people in Ukraine. I, I, I believe the people in Ukraine are being used as pawns. You have the globalist leaders. You have you have Putin on one side. You have the Western globalists on the other side. You have the president of Ukraine. I don't know what to make 
I hear all the different stories. I've seen different videos. I don't know what to make about all of the leaders, but I do know this, the people are suffering. And when you look at the book of Revelation, the suffering of the general population only increases, especially in the beginning of the tribulation when the seals are loosed and the, and the world leaders get to do what they want to do. And they bring about the war. They bring about the economic collapse and the famine. The elite at the top aren't harmed, but all of the people are. And then you have the pale horse that comes on the scene, and you have death by famine, by economic collapse. You have uh, death by war and death by pestilence. So I look at this, and, and it, war is terrible. And, and regardless of, what's, uh, of, of your different thoughts on different leaders in the world right now, understand something. We need Jesus. We desperately uh, need Jesus. I'm opinionated about all that's going on, and I'm going to say something here that I don't normally say, but um, I don't know all of the... Um, all, I, I look at everything that's taking place, and I can honestly say when I look at the news, I don't know what's going to happen today. And, and I don't know what to make of some of the different news because there's so many different things. There's a bioweapons lab. Did you guys know about that? A lot of people didn't know about that. Uh, 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 like a... a U.S. bioweapons lab, lab over there in Ukraine, apparently very close to, to Russia. You start looking at these things and you go, well, information has disappeared on it. I have information on it. But I mean, I look at this and go, you know, what, what in the world's really going on with all of these things that are taking place? I do know this. Jesus is coming. And I do know this. If we stay in his word and we let his word guide us, we'll be strengthened in the process because the lies are on the left, the lies are on the right, and we need to be fo razor-focused right now more than ever before. I have some things from Damon Duck I want to share with you all in a few minutes, but right now I want to get going with Hosea. So remember, we left off with Hosea chapter 10. Now we're in Hosea chapter 11. Let's pick up there the minor prophet Hosea as we look at the subject Israel, Jews, and what is coming. And uh, verse... Uh, verses 1 through 7 of Hosea chapter 11. Hosea is a short chapter. It's got a lot in it. But uh, Hosea writes and says this. This is God speaking through Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And I'll explain all this in just a minute, what it all means. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to carved images. In other words, when God called Israel, uh, Israel wouldn't turn to God. They said, no, we want to stick with our own worldly things, the pagan gods we worship, the immorality and all of that stuff. We're not interested in you, God. Yet, they continued to go to temple and continued to play church. I taught Ephraim. Remember, Ephraim is another name for Israel as you look at the prophecies. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords. I drew them with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and I fed them. He shall not return to the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king, because they refuse to repent, and the sword shall slash in his cities, devour his districts, and consume them. Because of their own counsels, my people are bent on backsliding from me interesting my people are bent on backsliding they, they don't want to know me they're just insistent on turning from me though they call to the most high none at all exalt him oh god we love you oh god we praise you but none actually exalt him none they isaiah wrote the people they draw near to me with their lips but their hearts are far 
from me. Uh, let's let, let's get going here and and look at to start to break this down because I want to get to your questions as quick as I can. Richard Halverson, the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, said, "There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, nor is there anything you can do to make God love you less. His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, and perfect." Chapter 11 of Hosea, God appears as a loving father grieving over Israel, his rebellious, backsliding child. God would discipline them, but he loved them still. And the good lesson for us is God never stops loving his children. But here in Hosea chapter 11, we can see the problems. Okay, let's get going here. Uh, Number one, first thing I want to bring up, uh, only two main things I want to bring up today is number one is God's care for Israel. Uh, Since Israel was first born as a nation, God demonstrated love for his child. Uh, Verses one and two, "When, when you were a child, I loved you and I called you out of Egypt. God loved Israel. He had a covenant relationship with the nation. And here we see God as a tender, loving father, and his choice of Israel was not because they were good. His choice of loving Israel was was a purely an act of God's sovereign grace. Let's think of this in the history of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8, the Bible says this, as God is talking about the nation of Israel. If you guys could put this up there, thank you. Uh, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. So again, note that, for you are a holy people. Holy means set apart. You're set apart people for the Lord. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself. And this is it, to be a a special treasure, different than all of the other people on the face of the earth. And then uh, this passage continues in the next verse and says, The Lord did not set his love on you, uh, nor choose you, because you were more number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But here it is. But because the Lord loves you, it continues, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Uh, I find this interesting. There's several different things going on here. Uh, Most of it I'm not going to get to for a few more minutes when we get to the end. But notice here, uh, I brought you out of the house of bondage from the hand of the king of Egypt. So this last part of the verse that you just read there, that's where Hosea is talking about here in, in this passage. L- look at this again. In Hosea, he says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So that's what he's referring to in Deuteronomy, where God says, I called you out of Egypt. I loved you. I didn't love you because you were more numbered, because you were better looking, because you were smarter, because, because of anything, because there were more of you, or you were more special or more awesome. I love you because I have a relationship with you. I called you to be different from everybody else, to be set apart to me, and I set my eyes on you. Remember the story of Hosea and his wife. That's what it was. Hosea just married her, even though she was a prostitute. And she went out and had children with other men, and Hosea even took in those children. So you look at these things and go, wow. But God says, I've called you out of Egypt. Okay, so that's the first 
uh, when you look at this, I called you out of Egypt. Ultimately, though, what's this a reference to? This is a prophecy of Jesus Christ when he would be called out of Egypt. Look again in Hosea uh, chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was with child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So again, yeah, Pharaoh, uh, Egypt, or, or uh, Israel being called out of Egypt, time of Pharaoh, yes. However, this is in the, in the greatest sense. This is a prophecy of Jesus. Remember, when you read the New Testament uh, passages about uh, the story of Jesus in, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew writes in his passage, listen, this is a fulfillment of the passage of Hosea, when Jesus was called out of Egypt, out of Egypt, I called my son. This is incredible. I, I want you to think about this just for the next uh, few minutes. Uh, this is um, uh, what Matthew says, Matthew chapter two, when Joseph arose, remember what happened is with Herod. Let me set this up again. If you guys can bring the screen back on me for a second so I can set it up. So think of this, when, when uh, Jesus is born, and Herod decides he's going to kill all of the two-year-old uh, baby boys of, of, uh, of Bethlehem, uh, the baby Jewish boys. They're going to be slaughtered. So Joseph is warned in a dream, hey, you got to get out of here. So what happens? Now go back to this, this passage, guys. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, says this, when Joseph arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. So there's the ultimate prophecy from Hosea. It's ultimately talking about Jesus. Out of Egypt I called my son. So now I'm going to go, uh, I, want, I want to fill in uh, these dots for you for just a minute, too. Give me, give me about two minutes. Because when it comes to Bible prophecy, there's so much speculation that takes place, and people say, well, I know what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen next, and this is what's going to happen next, and this is what's going to happen next. And here's what's going to happen. Putin's going to do this in Ukraine, and then China's going to do this with Taiwan, and then uh, Putin's going to go do this to Israel, and then this is going to happen to Israel, and Ezekiel 38 is going to be fulfilled next week. China's going to take Taiwan this week. It's going to be, and all these things are going to happen. Listen, you can speculate the possibilities of what could happen. But, so, but at the same time, in the speculation, we need to be careful and say, I'm guessing this is what's going to happen. When, uh, the, uh, back in December of, uh, of this last year, I said, hey, I, I'm watching the narrative of coronavirus change. And I said, we're going to go into a time period where people are going to think life is good again and masks are going to be lifted, mandates and these kind of things. So we're kind of in that time right now. And then I said, but I suspect this, and it could go on for a while, could go on to the beginning of summer, might go to November. I don't know how long it's going to go for, but I think it's going to go based on the narrative. And I said, my guess is these globalists don't want to let anything go. So what you're looking at is sometime in 2022, uh, because the mandates are going to be lifted. I was, And I said, I think, I said, my guess is there's going to be war and or economic collapse because it's got to keep this whole thing going with these globalists and the destroying of the western world empire so uh, but with it that was a shot based on what the bible has to say and then based upon reading the news and so forth but i got to be careful at the same time say this is going to happen this way this way this way this way and that way because some things I've been wrong on. A few weeks ago, I said, I don't think Ukraine's, I don't think there's going to be a war going on in Ukraine. I said that, so I admit it. I was wrong on that. 
But the greater picture is understanding that we do know that Jesus is coming again. So when you go back to the first coming of Jesus, this is, this is, every, this is what I wanted to connect here. When Jesus was born, the prophecies about Jesus and his birth said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Uh, he'd be called out of Egypt, which we just read. He'd be from Galilee. So this is an impossibility. How could one person be born in Bethlehem, called out of Egypt, and from Galilee? It can't be. Well, there's nobody, if anybody, if the Jews at the time had stuck with what they knew with the Bible prophecies, what they would have said is, I don't know how it's going to happen, but somehow Messiah is going to be uh, born in Bethlehem. Somehow he's going to be called out of Egypt. Somehow he's going to be from the Galilee region. But nobody could have guessed. No way, no way anybody could have guessed. Well, there's this guy, you know what Caesar Augustus is going to do? He's going to issue a decree that all the families must be registered in their own city. So there's this couple named Mary and Joseph. They're going to have to leave Nazareth. They're going to have to go to Bethlehem to fulfill the census. And then you want to know what's going to happen. Herod's going to go mad when Jesus is less than two years old and he's going to want to kill all the little baby boys and then so joseph's going to have this dream and in the dream he's in the vision he's going to be warned so he's going to flee down to egypt and then after herod's dead uh the 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 uh, word's going to come hey joseph you can go back to the holy land and then when he goes back to jerusalem oh what's he get he gets word oh no there's still some crazy stuff going on in jerusalem so you're gonna have to go back up to the galilee region and you're gonna have to live there in nazareth there's no way anybody could have said, anybody could have possibly known all the different hows, the little minute details that God was going to do to fulfill all of those prophecies, just those three prophecies. But if anybody read their Bible and understood it, they would say, I don't know how God is exactly going to do it, but he's going to do it. And when you can start to see things, you start to speculate, wow. Everybody's got to go to their own city. People are coming to Bethlehem. Maybe the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem because he got called from another city. You can start to speculate and see. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. What's happening now is there's so many people in Bible prophecy, and I got to be careful to not be too guilty of it myself, can start to say, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. Well, God has a whole different plan. Everything is shifting. We're wise enough to see the signs and understand that everything is being projected right now. The shadow is being cast into the tribulation period. We can see that if you study the Bible. But some of the hows, exactly how it's going to work out, we're not going to get. A, we're not going to get all that understanding. The further and further we get down this road, the better understanding we're going to have. So when you're reading news right now, so much different fake news, it's hard to tell what's fake and what's real. Don't be too discouraged. It's all going to land exactly the way the Bible says it does. As Jan Markell says, everything is being positioned right now. We can see it. We can tell everything is falling into place. And although lots of these things aren't making immediate sense in the little details, they're very significant in the greater picture, and the greatest picture of all is Jesus is coming again. So think of that if you're getting confused in all of uh, the things that are taking place. Okay, back to Hosea, because I want to get to your questions, and I'm determined to finish Hosea chapter 11 uh, in the next few minutes. Okay, so Israel responds to God. How did Israel respond to God? God loved them. He's drawing them. Um, he's ministering to them with bonds of, of uh, bands of love. He's drawing them, but they rebelled against him. They were a, like a rebellious son. The more God called, the more Israel rebelled. Isn't that how often it is with people? 
The more God calls us, the more he showers his love on us. Ah, I don't want anything to do with God. That's how people are. Um, but but God, he loved, he doesn't, he doesn't give up on his people. I love that. Um, I, I think of this. Uh, the Apostle Paul, let, let's go with the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul, before he gets saved, he was known as Saul. He was this Pharisee of Pharisees. Uh, he, he knew like more than almost anybody in the entire Jewish world. And he hated the thought of Jesus. And he hated the thought of Christians so much so that he was leading the persecution of anyone who would, who would give their life over to Christ, who called himself a Christ follower. He's leading the persecution of it. And then God smote Paul. What happened to Paul? All of a sudden he's smitten and he's woken up spiritually. The blinders are taken off and he goes, wow. And he realized that Yeshua is Christ the King. I think of it today when you look at uh, what's going on. So you have that in Israel in the past. Um, God says, I called you, but you wouldn't come. I think of today in Israel uh, and I think of the um, Haredi uh uh, the, the the Hasidic Jews who are, uh, you'll see them over in Jerusalem. In fact, there's this picture, you'll see it up on your screen. This is a, a TV program that comes out of Israel. Uh, it's on Netflix. So I've watched every episode twice, as a matter of fact, but it's in the Haredi community. It's, we're centered in Jerusalem. And, and the, the, so the Haredi, the, the, the black hats, the long black coats, uh, the women uh, have uh, the wigs and also wearing a hair covering and so forth. Uh, when they're married and so you, you have this and it's very interesting because the Haredi they're, they're studying the scriptures all day long but they're rejecting Jesus as being the Messiah at the same time and as it was with the Apostle Paul like that then he gets saved in the last days I find this remarkable there's a Jews that are going to be saved I believe that out of the Haredi community there's going to be a whole lot of Jews that are going to be saved their blinders are going to be removed I'm going to show you that in just a few more minutes but their blinders are going to be removed and they're going to see Jesus as Lord in the meantime like as it was in the days of Hosea with Israel God's calling they're not I don't want Jesus the Apostle Paul God was calling I don't want Jesus until God smote him even today, God's calling. There are there are Jews turning to the Lord. It's fantastic. One of my very dear friends, Yossi, who now lives in Texas, he was he was one of the Haredi in Jerusalem, and and uh, he's temporarily living in Texas. But he grew up in Jerusalem, lived in Jerusalem, and or, or, or uh, lived in one of the cities outside of Jerusalem. But he's one of the was one of the Haredi going down there. In fact, he's probably watching right now. Hi, Yossi. Uh, but it's this, God will wake up the Jewish people. And as you continue through the rest of Hosea chapter 11, which we're going to here in just a second, we're going to see how God wakes them up. Uh, but he says here, I draw them with gentle cords. Look at this, Hosea chapter 11. How's he do it? Tells us here, the people are bent on backsliding, but with gentle cords, I will draw them to me. Ah, uh, I will minister to them. I drew them, verse 4, gentle cords and with bands of love. Listen, God draws us with bands of love and gentle cords. But when we don't respond to him, sometimes life gets a little bit difficult as he's trying to get our attention. And sometimes it can get real difficult because God knows that if we reject the provision of forgiveness in Jesus Christ, if we reject that provision, then for all of eternity, the pain that we suffer and judgment from God, being separated from God, is going to be far worse than the worst pain that we suffer while we're here on this earth. So God draws us with gentle cords, with bands of love, as he did with Israel. 
But then if we don't listen, man, sometimes he's got to step up things and it gets a little bit more difficult on us. God's drawing us. Is God drawing you? Do you know him? Let's continue. Verse 8. How can I give you up, Ephraim? Listen to this. So, so God's saying, you, you've completely abandoned me. You don't want anything to do with me. You're backslidden. I've, tr- I've tried to love you. And you, you, won't, you won't respond to me. And then he says this. Listen to his reasoning in verses 8 and 9. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zebulim? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. Listen, God is shifting. This is what's going on here. This is fascinating. God is shifting to the last days in these verses. He's saying, I'm not going to utterly destroy Ephraim. I'm not going to ruin, I'm not going to, Look at this. He says here in verse 8, How can I make you like Adma? And how can I uh, set you like Zebulim? So who are Zebulim? Deuteronomy chapter 29, I believe it's in verse 23. God talks about how he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And these two towns were also destroyed when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Adma and Zebulim. So they're done. And God says, how can I do that to you, Israel? I can't get rid of you completely. I can't eliminate you. And he won't. Jerusalem is always going to exist. That really troubles people who um, who are uh, uh, what do you call it? replacement theology. I'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, we're almost done, but I got I got to talk about a few more things uh, before we do, and then I'm going to get to your questions. But we notice number one of God's care for Israel. I notice number two right here. The closing section, it's God's compassion for Israel. How can I give you up? How can I turn you over, destroy you the way Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed and these other two cities by God uh, destroyed as Sodom and Gomorrah were? I cannot do that. Listen, when Jesus uh, came into in, the scene just before he is crucified, he said this in Matthew chapter 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets, and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Can you guys put that up on the screen for me? Thank you. So there you see the passage, uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. You can see Jesus is heartbroken there. He's, he's recognized you've killed the prophets. You've done all these different things. I wanted to gather you together. So as you see in Hosea chapter 11, we follow this same thinking through to the time of Jesus, and that same heart of God uh, is still there. But then here, God gives us, in Hosea 11, a prophecy regarding the last days, and he says this. Notice this. In chapter 11, he says this, My sympathy is stirred. I will not again destroy Ephraim. I am God. I am not man. A man might just say, I'm done with you, and they just get rid of you permanently. God says, I ain't going to do that. I I can't do that. You are my people, Israel. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Jerusalem is always going to exist. Okay, let's read the last few verses. And they, look at this. This this projects into the last days when God saves Israel. They shall walk after the Lord, verse 10. He will roar like a lion when the Lord roars. Then his sons shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like a bird from Egypt, like a dove from the land of Assyria. 
and I will let them dwell in their houses, says the Lord. So notice how God says here in these verses, they will come trembling. Where do they come trembling from? Like a bird from Egypt. They'll come trembling from the West. What's this? This is, um, this talks about Israel. When, when God says, I wanted to draw you. Listen, when you look at the days now, what's happening is God is drawing Israel back home, the Jews back home. What's happening? It's generally through very uh, just bad things that are happening to Jewish people through anti-Semitic actions. You look what's happening right now in uh, uh, with Ukraine, with Jews who are fleeing Ukraine, saying, I want to make my Aliyah, I want to go to Israel, I want, that's my homeland. Uh, with trembling there coming to Jerusalem, the time of Hitler was trembling, we've got to flee this place. Uh, you, you look anywhere in the world, you, you go back to Europe, you, you look at France, with trembling they were leaving France because of the persecution. Uh, with what's going on in the United States, we're watching anti-Semitism increase. With trembling, they are returning from the West, they're returning from Egypt. I also think of this, where God tells us that he's going to draw them, um, for example, let me see this passage I'm looking for here, Isaiah chapter 43 God says this, verse 5, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east. Who's he talking? He's talking about Israel, Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, there's, there, listen, there's a teaching out there, many of you are familiar with it, called replacement theology. And it's a teaching that predominantly affects the, church, the Western church uh, of the world, the, the Western Christian, so-called Christian church of the world, uh, Europe and America. And in fact, it's the predominant teaching in the Western world where God's done with Israel. Don't pay any attention to prophecy. Jesus ain't coming back and going to rule in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is over. The Jews blew it. Had, they've had their day. And now the Jews are done. God's judged them. All of the promises for Israel, they're for us only, not for the Jews. That's not what God teaches. Hosea chapter 11 is evident of that. And we just saw it. God says, I'm not done with it. I'm not done with Ephraim. I'm not going to destroy them. No, in fact, I'm going to restore them. I'm going to call them. They're going to be trembling from these. They're going to be trembling from Egypt. They're going to be coming back. And here in Isaiah chapter 43, I will bring your descendants from the east. This is projecting into the last days. And I will gather them from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. Give up the Jews from the north. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. This is exactly what's happening. It's happening right now, and it's going to continue to happen as we project everything for the direction that is going. God is not done with Israel. Let me share a couple of more things, and then I'm going to get to your questions, because I really want to connect all of the dots here, all right? It's only take probably about five minutes, but I want you to think of this. In Matthew chapter 23, this is very important, one of the most important things you can understand when it comes to the understanding of Israel and the Jews and replacement theology. In Matthew chapter 23, the next two verses, after the verses where he, Jesus just says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I have wept over you and so forth, right? You, you've killed the prophets and so forth. Look at this, verses 38 and 39. Jesus says to this to the Jewish leaders of that day, the scribes and the Pharisees, who's challenging there in Matthew 23. See, your house is left to you desolate. That's what happened to Israel, right? When Israel was scattered throughout the world, through the diasporas, through the Romans, right? Scattered throughout the world. See, your house is left to you desolate. It happened. 
After the crucifixion of Jesus, you fast forward to 70 A.D. Uh, with Titus and then to 135 A.D. with Hadrian, Jeruz, the Jews were been scattered. See, so your house is left to you desolate. Uh, uh, Tom's, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, I can't think of his, Mark Twain, that's his name. Uh, Samuel Clements, uh, he, when he visited Innocence Abroad, when he visited, you can read the work, uh, the land of Israel. He says, what a desolate area. That was prophecy. Jesus said, your house is left to you desolate. Look at the rest of this verse. Let me go back here. For I say to you, you shall, this is Jesus speaking to the Jews. I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A blindness, the Bible tells us, Romans chapter 11, blindness and partness happened to Israel. So there in Matthew 23, Jesus says, you will see me no more until you say, Hosanna. Uh, wow. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember what the religious leaders said to the people when they were shouting out Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on Palm Sunday when Jesus rode his donkey, uh, the donkey into Jerusalem. Remember what they, the religious leader said when the people were shouting, shouting out Hosanna? They said, tell your people to shut up. And he says, if I tell them to be quiet, the rocks will cry out. And here Jesus says, listen, you guys will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The day is coming. Listen, and, and, uh, I'm not going to go through all of this in detail right now because of time sake, but in uh, Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham out of the land of the Chaldeans, and he says, uh, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, and then I'm making a covenant with you. And then you read through chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15. You have the story of Lot and, and uh, Abraham, and they've got to separate. And God says, hey, wherever you put your foot, that's the land I give you, Abraham. Wherever you can see, that's where, uh, that's where the land is. Chapter 17, uh, the, the, or chapter 15 is where the covenant is confirmed when the animals are split in two. And God walks between the animals, and Abraham is asleep. And God confirms the covenant with Abraham. I, Abraham, this covenant is on me. That's my name. I, I've given you this land, and I am going to uphold my bargain. This is an unconditional covenant, Abraham, because it's all on me. And then God warned to Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's the passage of blessings and cursings. And God says this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Here's the deal. Um, if you obey my word, I'll bless your farms. I'll bless your families. I'll bless your food. I'll, I'll bless your socks off. If you just obey me. However, God says in Deuteronomy 28, if you disobey me, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to curse your farms. I'm going to curse your food. I'm going to curse your families. It's going to go really bad. So bad will it go that I will scatter you throughout the world. And wherever I send you, you will become a byword to those people. That's anti-Semitism. And so the Jews have been scattered. And, and, but yet God says here in Hosea, no, I can't finish you off. I'm not going to finish you off the way I did with Sodom and Gomorrah or these other peoples. Uh, there's, there's no way. You are my people. And I have a covenant that I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and as descendants forever. From the north, the south, the east, and the west, God is calling the Jews back home. Ezekiel chapter 36, God says, listen, you, you have profaned my name and the places you went, but my name is on the covenant, so I'm still going to follow through, and I'm going to make sure that you're back in the land. And Jesus himself said, you will say, Hosanna, you will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Listen, the day is coming when the Jews in Israel are going to look up in the sky and they're going to cry out for Yeshua. It's going to happen, as it was with the Apostle Paul. It's going to happen again in the future. I know it is. What, what do, how do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that. Because Jesus said it's going to happen. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12, the prophet said, they will look upon him whom they pierce. Jesus is going to rescue his people. He's going to come out of the sky. The whole world is going to be against Israel, yet God is going to rescue, and it's going to be an awesome and glorious day. I can't wait for that day. Listen, this is how it's going down. Raptures, we're going to go up if you're a believer in Christ, and after the end of the tribulation period, we are coming back with him. We're going to be, we're going to, he's going to be on his white horse. We're going to be on our white horses. It's going to be incredible, and they're going to cry out, Hosanna. You're going to watch people. You're going to, the Jews are going to fulfill Matthew chapter 23. That's exciting to me. And we're going to be with the Lord forever with the Lord. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Listen, I tell any group when I take them over to Israel, it looks like I might be going there again. Um, We'll go up about Mount Carmel, maybe, or somewhere over the Jezreel Valley, a.k.a. Armageddon. And I'll, I'll tell them, I'll say, look up in the sky right there, coming out of the sky is going to be Jesus on his white horse. And we're going to be coming with him. And it is going to be an awesome and glorious day. And he is going to cast the false prophet and antichrist into the lake of fire right out here in this great big valley that's out here. Uh, this, 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 the Jezreel Valley, Armageddon, it's going to be glorious. But look what's happening right now. Hatred against the Jewish people. Um, listen, they're not. Listen, do you want to know what's going to always exist? Jerusalem is always going to exist, and so is the Jew. I know it, no matter what. Look at this article here. This is the last one. Abbas, you know, Mahmoud Abbas from uh, the, the PA. Uh, Abbas says Muslims and Christians must fight their common enemy, the Jews. Wow. So the Jews are the enemy. Listen to this. Now entering the 17th year of his four-year term as president of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas has decided to appeal the, the world to the world's Christians to join forces with Muslims against their common enemy, the Jewish state. Chairman Mahmoud Abbas reiterated a common PA libel that Israel's goal is to empty the land of Christians and Muslims, and therefore they must join forces in getting rid of the Jews because Christians and Muslims have been the owners of this land since this land's existence. This is insane. Christians didn't exist, and neither did Muslims exist. Listen, this, this is just lies. These are lies. Listen to this. He continues. You guys can get off that screen. Um, just listen to this. These are lies. Christians and Muslims didn't exist back then. Christians didn't exist until Jesus came at Pentecost. And Muslims didn't exist till later. The Jews were in the land a long, long time ago. And God made a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant is for his descendants forever. And as it says here in the book of Hosea, guess what? God's going to restore them. He's not going to wipe them off the map. Same thing. All of the other promises that God gave that are already covered. But then listen. He says this. The uh, Jews want to wipe the Christians and the Muslims out of the land of Israel? No, they don't. Listen to this. Have the Jews been trying to empty the land of Christians and Muslims? Get this. In 1967, when Israel came into possession of Gaza and the West Bank, the population of Gaza, all Arabs, was 300,000, and the West Bank, 600,000. Today, the Palestinian population in Gaza is 756,000. 
The air population of the West Bank in 2022, including East Jerusalem, is 2.7 million. And I can go on with the numbers. It's just insane. And as far as Christians over in Israel, listen, you have the freedom to be a Christian over in Israel. It's, it's, I, I mean, I'm looking at this and going, you don't have that. You, you try going to Saudi Arabia and sharing your faith as a Christian. Try to just have a church. Look what happens in Iran. You start looking at this. These are lies. But hence, it's the way it's going to be. But the day is coming when even the Jew will cry out uh, and say, blessed is he who comes in uh, the name of the Lord. And we are watching, folks, when we watch what's going on in Ukraine, and we see this taking place over there, and we understand that Jews are fleeing there and they're fleeing other places, that's what God says. Uh, Through trembling, you're going to be coming from these places, but I'm going to call you back home. I'm your God, and Jesus is coming. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. Listen, I want to take your questions right now, so I'm going to have to take them here on my phone. Let me let me open this up and uh, get here. Give me just a second here. So if you can, start sending me your questions. That would be terrific. Uh, I can see them. And, and I think of this also. When people tell me, I want you, you think of this. You guys are awesome. You know, you watch this. You're, you're tracking with me. The, the people right now say, well, not an anti-Semitic movement. We just don't. It's the Zionist. Well, anti-Zionism is just another name for anti-Semitism. That's all it is. I'm a Zionist because I know that Jerusalem is God's, and he's given it to the Jewish people. And, and Jesus is going to come back and rule and reign from Jerusalem. So when you hear the term anti-Zion and stuff, that's anti-Semitism. It's just a fancier word for the same thing that so-called Christians try to hide behind. Fake Christians try to hide behind. I mean, Nazi Germany was doing stuff like that, you know, to to kill the Jews. Don't be deceived by the doublespeak and and the nonsense. Listen, listen to this. When Jesus went to the cross, he died for the sins of anyone who would believe in him, right? He, he, he was buried in the tomb. He rose three days later, and then he ascended to heaven, and, and, that sits at the right hand of the Father. Okay, you get that. Jesus did not ascend into heaven and say, Father, I won some souls, but you want to know what? I lost Jerusalem to Satan. I lost the world to Satan. I lost the Jews. I lost everything else. I, I, Satan was more powerful than me. What can I do? So I lost it all. That's insane. But that's what replacement theology teaches. It's, it's just disgusting. Jesus is coming back. He didn't lose anything. He said it's finished at the cross. Jesus is one. And time and time again, I'll have some religious person tell me, Jesus finished. He won everything. Well, if, well, if you really believe that, that means he won Jerusalem too. That means he, the, the Jews aren't going away. And that means Jesus is going to come again and he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. So don't believe the nonsense. Even here in the book of Hosea, several times we've seen this, where you have the teaching that proves that this this replacement theology is a lie. Okay, let me see if I got your questions. Do you have a question? Make sure you put the word question in all caps. Are we living, this comes from Maureen, are we living in the days of Ezekiel? My guess is that you are talking about, um, you are talking, uh, Maureen, about Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Listen, that's going to happen. And, and I, I, you know, there's a lot of guys out there, people on YouTube, they're saying Ezekiel 38 is going to happen next week. And, you know, listen, you got to be really careful on that. I, I don't see, this is, this is me, I don't see 
Israel dwelling in peace and safety yet in the way that is described in Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel chapter 38 to me implies Ezekiel's or, or Israel's going to be dwelling in, in uh, tranquility. Now granted, a lot of the other prophecies of Ezekiel 38 look like they're fulfilled. The Jews are back in the land. They have, uh, they have Israel. Uh, they're on the mountains of Israel. And it, it, it talks about various things. Um, however, there's some things that are not solidified yet. You know, we have the Isaiah chapter 17, destruction of Damascus. Uh, what's and uh, other other things that still need to develop a little bit further. Listen, maybe these things could all be developed in the next few weeks. That's possible, but I think we need to be real careful and look at the grand, the, the bigger picture and what the Bible actually does say, because sometimes we can read more into a passage than is actually there. But if we read what is actually there, we say, okay, wait a minute, that might not happen yet. But here's the thing with Ezekiel chapter 38. We only know it's a last day's event. So quite frankly, the rapture is a timeless event. It could happen tonight. So we need to be ready. And if the rapture did happen tonight, let me tell you, Ezekiel chapter 38 could happen real soon after that. But I don't think we're in Ezekiel 38 yet. Um, it, so just want to be careful on that. Okay, this comes from Pookie. Uh, question, will you have David Tell and Olivier Melnick soon? I will have them both soon. So here's the deal with David Tell. We talk frequently. So uh, David Tal, for those of you who don't know him, he's a retired IDF major and tank commander. And uh, he's also a tour guide and a very busy man over in Israel. He's probably the most sought after tour guide over in Israel. And uh, so, and, and he's a very good friend. So, all right, tell you what, I'll give you the scoop. So here's what's, here's what's going on, right? This is no longer private information because there's a bunch of people watching. So uh, David and I were just starting to do some tours, virtual tours. And some of you probably saw that one. Then we have all these other virtual tours that are planned. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the coronavirus stuff changes. The gates are opening in, in Israel. So these groups are starting to go in. So David is like super busy right now. We've been conversing through WhatsApp a lot over the last two weeks, but he's exceptionally busy. So here's the scoop. I'm going to Israel. It looks like I don't have to have the shot. You know, it's funny. I can say things now I couldn't say a few weeks ago. I don't have to have the shot. I don't, as far as I know, I don't have to wear a mask because I'm not wearing a mask. Um, so it looks like I'll be in Israel here in the not too distant future. And I'm going to be doing videos with David while in Israel. And they're going to be exciting. We're going to be doing some tours, little tours on video. You're all going to get to see them. Um, we're even going to go to some cafes. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. So we're going to do like a food in Israel tour for, for all of you guys that are watching and connect the dots from the past, the present, and the future. So I'm rather excited about it, but you'll be informed because I'll be updating you guys and you'll know you'll be able to watch them. Olivier Melnick, yes, I believe next week I have a video with Olivier that we're going to do. Uh, I should do a live one with with Olivier. I'll see if he, he'd be good with that. I think he would be uh, good with it. Doing live is a little bit unnerving for some folks sometimes but i think olivier is going would be pretty awesome at it so i'll ask olivier about that about doing a live one so a great question but for sure i know i do have one with olivier that we have scheduled for next week question from claire aren't zionists like deep state jews yes if you read if you read um if you read listen i'm a zionist am i a deep state jew i mean i'm looking at this stuff going it's the labeling 
So you 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 have. I mean, God is a Zionist. So it, it's it, it, and but there's all this this. But what happens is once you're labeled as something, and this is the rhetoric. Once you're labeled, you're Zionist. Ah, oh man, you're an awful person. You're, you've just you know you you've you're destroying the whole world. No. Um, but that's the rhetoric that's out there, and you take it and you label it. Listen, why don't you just do do yourself a favor? Anybody has a question about this, go do a Strong's search in your Bible on how many times the word Zion is used in the Bible, and you'll and Jerusalem too. Do both of those because they're synonymous with each other in the Bible: Zion and Jerusalem. And then you ask yourself, who's the Zionist? Well, God is the Zionist. Uh, God says, I'm going to bring all the Jews back to the land. Listen, when I talk about Israel this way, I'm labeled as a Zionist. Why? Because I believe the Bible. So let them call me a, a Zionist. A deep, a, a, the last thing I am is a deep state person. And so I'm looking at this going, but these are the lies that are out there. And it's anti it's, it's, it's anti-Semitism. And that's what it is. So they take the labels, you're a Zionist, and... And it's okay to say, oh, he's a bad Zionist. No, you're really, it's anti-Semitic. That's what it is. Are there some Jews that aren't perfect? Absolutely. Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood, was a Jew. George Soros. Know who he is? He's a Jew. In fact, he was a Jew turning in other Jews back in the days of Nazi Germany. He's really old, but he did. He actually turned in other Jews. What an evil man. So you look at that, just because someone's a Jew doesn't mean they're a wonderful person. But it's understanding I'm on God's side. And just because someone's a Gentile doesn't mean they're a wonderful person either. So get those thoughts out of your head. There's bad people all over the world on all different sides, and there's people that get saved all over the world on all different sides. But God's the original Zionist. The whole idea of Zionism um, is was put into the mind of men by God. And Zionism is really simply the movement for people to have their own country. Let me ask you this. Is it okay for Italians to have Italy? Is it okay for the French to have France? Is it okay for Russians to have Russia? Canadians to have Canada? You know, you start, well, why is it not okay for Jews to have Judah? Because that's really the name, right? Judah, called Judah or Israel, Israelites, call it whatever you want. But why is it suddenly not okay for them to have the land? When, if you look at all of the world, you go, well, wait a minute, the Jews always had this land. You have it recorded in the Bible. You have it in recorded history. When Mahmoud Abbas says that the the, the um, Christians and the Muslim and the Muslims were here way before the Jews, that's such a lie. It's absurd. Listen, I've been to Israel many times. There's no archaeology digs that have this discovery of the Palestinian people that predates anybody or anything. Um, you have the, the Turks, you have the Ottoman Empire, you have the English Empire. Uh, so you have these different empires that have been part of, you have the Roman Empire. You're going to find history from these different empires. But you go, you go all the way back to David and you find out 1000 AD, there's been artifacts that have found from the time of David, a 1000 BC, excuse me, predates all of this stuff where the Jews had Jerusalem. God gave Jerusalem to the Jews. They're his people. And that's what the Bible's teaching. I mean, those are things I'm reading tonight. So when you look at these things, there's all kinds of lies that are out there. But this, when, when they're labeled as a Zionist, in that sense, in the sense that was brought up uh, here by this out there in the news, I see those, those things too. Those are evil things. 
That's anti-Semitism. One of the things at its best. Um, question. How, what, should we be praying for? I think there's a lot of great things that we can be uh, praying for. Uh, one of them, I would say, is this. Wow, there's somebody from Brazil that's watching. Thank you. That's awesome. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is so cool. Um, what are the things that we can be praying for? This is from uh, Lady Hawk. I, about, how about this? How about we pray for the people in Ukraine? Um, we pray like John did. Even so, come Lord Jesus. John prayed that almost 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation, end of the book of Revelation. Pray for these things. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. By the way, when you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, did you know you're actually praying for Jesus to come back? Uh, because there will be no genuine peace until Jesus comes back. Uh, pray that you're on God's side of all of the different things that we are talking about. Uh, be on the biblical side. Listen, again, back to that question earlier. There's so many lies that are out there if we get distracted from the word. Uh, Joshua is told, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right. you got to stay razor sharp, razor focused right now. I'd say, especially in these days that we live in, we need to stay razor sharp, uh, razor uh, focused. Um, great question. You guys do have great questions. And by the way, I want to say this about the question about uh, Zionists. Isn't that right? Uh, crazy, um, what was it, uh, deep state Jews. Uh, I'm glad you asked that because there's that kind of news is everywhere. It is everywhere, and I see it all the time. And uh, don't don't fall for those things. Okay, Ezekiel 38 from Diane. Is it before the tribulation? Not in the tribulation. I believe it's before the tribulation. We're at the very beginning of it. That's me. Uh, I have colleagues that say no, it's in the middle of the tribulation. I have others that say it's at the end of the tribulation. I believe it's very early on. Um, I believe it's after the rapture. Uh, the rapture takes place, and shortly after that, I believe the Ezekiel 38 war takes place. But who knows? Maybe the battle could take place now. What we have definite for the timing of Ezekiel chapter 38 is it because it tells us it's in the latter days. It's in a time when Israel's gathered back in the land. Uh, it's in a time when the nations are aligned, like they say they are in Ezekiel chapter 38, which they're definitely lining up. They're not 100% lined yet with Russia. But they're definitely lining up. God's going to put an evil plan in the, the mind of the leader of Russia. Go hooks in the jaws, pull him down, and it looks like he's going to go after Israel because Israel's going to have something that he wants. A look at Ukraine's situation makes it even that much more intriguing. But, but uh, So we know those certain things, but we also know at the time when Israel's dwelling in peace and safety, I have a hard time thinking Israel's dwelling in peace and safety. It's a very safe place to go. Believe me, you got the IDF protecting and everything. Now there's talk about lasers actually protecting Israel on all the way around. That's pretty cool. That could be it. If that gets fulfilled, it sounds like it's going to be lasers protecting Israel from all the different missiles all the way around their borders. Oh, that'd be pretty mar remarkable. Israel would definitely be dwelling in peace and safety then. So who knows? Could happen soon. Uh, but the great questions. Okay, let's see. From Tony. Uh, can you see the ten horns rising, or is it just me? So, uh, just so everybody uh, understands what the ten horns are, the ten horns, uh, Daniel chapter 7, also a couple other places in Daniel, and Revelation chapter 17 are specific. These ten horns are ten kings. They're globalists. Uh, there's, uh, um, they're, they're appointed to position. They're not 
It's not a democracy where they're voted into position by the people. There's 10 global leaders in the last days, I believe, over global kingdoms. As the world's going I believe the globe's going to be split into, get, be divided into 10 different kingdoms. Uh, it's going to be ruled and reigned uh, by Antichrist out of Europe. Uh, but he's going to oversee these 10 kings. So I don't know who the 10 kings are. Um, that might not be known till after the rapture. That could develop beforehand. It, it could. Where we could say, wow, the world, okay, here's the ten kingdoms, and these are the ten kings, I don't know. Um, but after they're in power, then they give their power and authority to Antichrist. So Antichrist, it appears, won't even be recognized until after the ten kings have their kingdom. So is, the, is everything shaping up that? Oh, absolutely it is. And as Jan Markell says, I, I agree with her, that um, what's happening now with the whole situation with Ukraine is this is shaping up the whole geopolitical landscape. And who knows? It's, I guarantee you this much, it's going to inspire more of the globalist talk to say, we've got to get control of everything. We've got to have a stronger military, the military of Antichrist. This is all like a catalyst. It's a launching thing to launch us into the global system. So uh, this 10 King stuff could be happening soon. Uh, this question comes from Shauna. Do you believe in the possibility of Zelensky being Antichrist? Um, so... Uh, Listen, I don't know who Antichrist is, but I, I hear Zelensky. I mean, I've heard so many different predictions on who Antichrist is. I was talking with Jeff Kinley the other day on his channel, World News Briefing, and the question came up about uh, Putin being Antichrist. So here's the problem. When anybody's in the spotlight, suddenly everybody starts speculating that this person is Antichrist. I don't know who Antichrist is. Um, and I do know who Jesus is. He's my Savior. And, uh, it, you know, so... Um, yeah. So let me move on to the next question. No, I, I don't know. Uh, Ta Tammy, question. What about real ID? Any info? So uh, there's different ID systems. Uh, let me say this. Damon Duck was writing here uh, about identification, and he wrote this regarding the mark of the beast on February 23. It was reported that the World Economic Forum has released a report called Advancing Digital uh, Agency. The power of data intermediaries that says vaccine passports could be the basis of a new global ID system that could involve putting chips in people worldwide, ready for this, by 2026. Worldwide by 2026. So, uh, I mean, listen, so we've been conditioned over the last two years to accept if we're going to get along in society, we've all got to be ID'd. I did a video, I think it was just one of my shorts I did uh, over the la within the last two weeks about what's happening in the United States and that in the United States, both red states and blue states, that means liberal and conservative states are implementing this ID, this vaccine ID pass. Um, amazing, isn't it? Three weeks ago, I couldn't even mention that. Kind of interesting without getting censored. Who knows what they'll censor us. They're, they're going to censor us for something coming up. I believe climate's going to be a real big deal. I'll probably be talking about that midweek things. But uh, to answer your question about just the whole ID, we're looking at it. We are fast-tracking there. I personally believe all of the theater of the last two years has shown the flaws with the system, where things are that need to be fixed, and gotten people used to having ID, used to wearing something, hence uh, coming to a mark on your forehead or on your right hand, uh, used to all these different things, but also setting up the system 
the systems, the beast system that is necessary to make sure that all of this comes into place. Hey, listen, I am all out of time. Just a few things I want to uh, bring to your attention. Um, uh, is Am I starting with Mark Henry this Wednesday? That would be cool. So here's what I'm, okay, I've got a few different things going on, all right? Um, I'm intending to do three Wednesdays live with Mark Henry. So this week, I have Monday live tomorrow uh, with uh, a colleague from Australia. You're going to be absolutely blessed first ever. Uh, it's going to be live stream. But then it looks like starting this Wednesday for three Wednesdays, I'm going to be with Mark Henry. We had a video a while back, and we were saying, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to be prepared. And uh, with that, in the preparation of things, uh, Mark had talked uh, about um, how do you protect your physical self? How do you protect your spiritual self? How do you protect your um, uh, your your uh, physical self from trouble? How do you protect yourself? How do you protect your assets? You know, what kind of assets do you need? So money, um, food, um, spiritual protection, the most important. But what do we do right now? So we're going to break down into three weeks. There are going to be short sessions with the live Q and A, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, don't forget, also have coming up in Oceanside on March 26th. I'll have info on my website. It's on my Instagram right now and Facebook. But I'll have more info tomorrow. Um, please go to hopeforourtimes.com and stay connected. You can click on Stay Connected. Help me to stay connected with you guys. A lot more is coming up. I'll keep you updated on Israel things. And then I think that's it. Oh, yeah, one more thing. I want to thank you guys for all the, the super chats and um, it, it, any donations you guys send. I, I, I do not like talking about money. So that's just, it just is what it is. I'm sorry about that, but I don't feel, I don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, this ministry is run by donations. If you want to donate, believe me, it's going to be a blessing. Um, uh, just go to hopeforourtimes.com, click on donate and, and, and do that. But I, I thank all you guys. Again, I don't, I don't want to talk about that stuff, but I really want to thank you guys because you guys are, are fantastic. It's your encouragement that keeps us going. Um, and uh, I have some more good things coming up. By the way, I have some really good guests coming up on Sunday nights, not next week, um, but uh, some that are coming up on Sunday nights that uh, are going to be a super blessing to you. I'll give you a hint. Uh, Brandon Holdhouse, uh, Billy Crone, and some others that are out uh, that uh, you guys know. So you're going to be really blessed. So anyways, with that, God bless you guys. Um, let's uh, uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord Jesus, come quickly and be strong in the Lord. Stay focused on his work. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.